I got hired by Apple to be in their iPad Pro commercial, having never worked on an iPad Pro. And they said, we're sending you an iPad Pro. We need artwork in like one week. Hey, and welcome to Overtime. This is Dribble's official podcast. I'm Dan Cederholm, your host, and this is episode number 55. Today's chat is with Maggie Enterios. She's an internationally published hand and digital illustrator. Her work is astounding, and it covers a lot of botanical and animal shapes, botanical illustrations and patterns. She goes by little patterns on, on the interwebs. And uh, she just shares some really insightful, uh, insightful process behind her work and, and how she does it. Um, this is also a challenging uh, edit for me because uh, there's a lot of laughs and um, a lot of them still made it in the show. But uh, it was a lot of fun chatting with Maggie, so we, we thank her very much for being here. Today's episode is brought to you by Me. Make it easy for your clients to recognize your awesomeness by featuring your best work in one place, a place you own and control. Start building your online home with .me, the most personal internet domain. So thanks to .me for sponsoring. We'll be talking a little bit more about them later on in the show. And now let's go have our awesome chat with Maggie Enterios. Some designers or illustrators or whatever, I can sort of imagine how it's created. And I think with your work, I just can't, you know, like, even though I know you've shared a lot of your process and stuff, but. Would you believe that I also don't know sometimes? Sometimes I wake, <laughs> I wake up in the morning and I look at something I drew and I'm like, whoa, how did really? this get here? Yeah. It's like, it's, I don't know what happens. I think I really get into flow when I'm drawing and time just passes and uh, this really cool stuff comes out of it. I'm still trying to figure it out. Wow! See, that's uh, that's amazing to hear that actually, because yeah. that's kind of what I I would hope that you would say, you know, because like there is a mystery to it, or there is some magic involved. Oh, definitely! It's so amazing. Like, okay, for instance, I'm just taking one of your pieces here to to kick things off, but um, this is a uh, California native plants, mm-hmm. and um, it's an ink ink drawing of the state of California. And what's, I love this. I love it anyway, but like the fact that you, you're using plants that are native to each part of the state, it looks like. Yeah. I had to do a lot of research, like a lot of research. Um, but that was so fun. You're really into plants, which is awesome. I'm actually not, (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm really bad at them and I've never had a plant that I did not kill immediately. Like (laughs) I, I do not have a green thumb. Uh, but what I find interesting about plants is that they do a lot of the legwork for me. So my background was always in abstracts and I love the way patterns and textures collided like that. I, I've always done monochrome drawings and um, I kind of had to come up with patterns from my brain. And when I discovered that I could use natural elements to create these illustrations, it was kind of revolutionary because I thought like, Oh, okay, well, I can just draw that. Like that's got a natural pattern to it. That's got a natural Mm. texture. That's got lines that I couldn't have necessarily made up. Um, And then it kind of grew from there to keep the plant theme going. So I do individual research per project. Like at this point, there are some plants that I can draw from my brain 
like chrysanthemums. Like I've done them so many times. They're so cool. They're really fun to draw. I can picture them, but I don't really keep the catalog active. It's almost like when you cram for a test, you take the test, you do okay on it. And then you just kind of let those, those facts go. Cause you need to make room for something else. So I do a lot of research at the beginning of a project. And then after that, I, um, start on the next one. Your handle on a lot of social media is little patterns, right? Yes. Across um, platforms. It, that's yeah. Across and website, right too. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's always been something you've gravitated towards before the plants came into the mix here. Um, you did abstract patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's your, what's your background then? Did you, was art was like drawing this kind of style, whether it be plants or abstract or whatever, it was that always like, did your book covers in school look like, like amazing? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Sort? I definitely, <laughs> Oh my gosh. I definitely got made fun of by a lot of teachers for drawing on the edges of papers. <laughs> like I think a lot of people who are in the visual arts have that same, um, origin story. Like, big doodler. I would pick, you know, one thing a year and that's all I would draw like spider webs everywhere. Um, but yeah, I, I've always been into drawing and as a child, I suppose you would call it crafting. So I was always making things. I didn't really go outside ever. <laughs> um, I just started playing sports in my late twenties. <laughs> like I've always been an inside kid. Um, and I was always making stuff and then I went to art school So I went in for photography pretty quickly, decided that I was not as much of a, um, I guess I would say I I didn't want to work with people as much. Like I really like the, (laughs) (laughs) I really liked the idea of photography. Yeah. Yeah. I I liked the idea of photography, but it did involve so much face to face and so many, um, feelings, like working with people, them not being happy because of how they're personally being reflected. Um, it felt like almost too much power. (laughs) I, I wanted something that kind of flowed out of me naturally. And I ended up switching over to the, uh, graphic design department. And, um, I kind of had to make a decision at a certain point because I was more interested in fine art. And at the time I was, naive, which I can't really blame myself for because I was 18 years old, but it seemed like I had to make a choice like, okay, I'm going to do fine art and probably be poor for forever because that's all I've heard. Or I'm going to be a graphic designer, which is seemingly an employable job. And I didn't really know at the time, like that I could fuse those. So in school, I kind of teetered back and forth between departments, neither department really even let me in fully. Like I never got a portfolio review because I was straddling these two departments. It was kind of tough for me. But then, uh, as I got my first internship turn or sorry, not internship, my first temp job turned real job in graphic design. I started working with so many freelancers, you know, at my company, we were hiring photographers and illustrators and ad agencies. And I saw this pocket into this world of art meets design and realized it was a totally viable career. And I could play around visually and still make a living doing that. It's funny because, and I, I fall into this too, where when I was younger, I just didn't, I guess I didn't understand what different things you could make a living doing, right? you know, right. And that's, that seems to be a theme too. in the people that we talk to on the show here. Yeah. Our jobs now 
did not exist when we were like in high school. Like that blows my mind. Yeah, that's <laughs> a great point. Yeah. There is a lot of work out there and there is an industry that you might not even know exists and you can make it for yourself. Like I am definitely a raw raw follow your dreams type person. Um I just think there's no shortage. And if you have a specialty and if you can find something that you really really like to do, I do believe that there can be a market for it. Once again, this episode is brought to you by .me. Only a personal website allows you to truly express yourself as an artist and a professional. Most importantly, it gives you the control over your content. Whether you decide on a your name, surname, .me combination, or a catchy call to action for your domain name, nothing says personal better than .me. .me is trusted by almost a million people and businesses from all over the world, including some big brands like Facebook, PayPal, and Spotify. .me, short, sweet, and personal. Thanks again to .me for sponsoring. I was going to ask like what your favorite tool is, you know, in terms of is it digital or analog? I know you do both. Uh, and it has it has it changed actually. It it absolutely has changed. Um when I, I mean, I did not take the leap or the slide into freelance uh, until I had been working on an iPad for a while. I was working oh, wow. in black and white, like hand illustration for years, but anytime I had to apply it to some sort of commercial project, I had to scan, do a ton of Photoshop work just to like knock the background out, which is I mean, you've seen my work, like it's absolute chaos to try to separate oh foreground yeah. from background layers. Like it's sick. It would take a whole day. Would you vectorize it too? Or, oh, or, oh hell or no. Uh-uh. I was going to say, like, that would be a nightmare to turn to some I mean, of these patterns. Yeah, into, now yeah. I can, because I have, you know, I have AstroPad, which tethers into Adobe Illustrator. So I can redraw over my hand drawings like one-to-one live and create these usable vector graphics. But at the time, maybe I had live trace. Uh, so nothing looked good. You know, like when I did, when I used to do screen printing, I had to live trace everything, which of course, you know, you lose so much, (laughs) you lose so much of the detail. I mean, it was just such a labor intensive. Oh gosh. I just had this visual. I just had this visual <laughs> of live tracing, like the California illustration I'm looking at right yeah, now. It's and like, imagining like how many points, vector points there would be. <laughs> a billion, the, that's when Adobe crashes. Like that's what yeah, happens. It will probably blow up. Yeah. Anything that. <laughs> I've done, yeah. I, uh, Illustrator and I, I crash Illustrator a lot. Um, but, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been a complete shift in my workflow working digitally. Um, I was actually thrown into working digitally in the potentially the oddest way you will ever hear about. Um, I, that's great. Yeah. You ready? (laughs) I'm ready. I got hired by Apple to be in their iPad pro commercial, having never worked on an iPad pro. And they said, we're sending you an iPad pro we need artwork in like one week. They're like, it'll have procreate downloaded on it. Go to town. (laughs) 
This I'm is so, unbelievable. I know. And it's like, that's amazing. I mean, that's I, was, amazing. I was shaking. I was like, yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Like I've spent the last dozen years working in one method. And now the biggest client I could ever imagine has told, like has given me this hurdle. Um, so I buckled down. I was working full time and I called off the entire week sick and then I got sick because karma. Um, but of course, of course. I worked in procreate probably, I don't know, 15, 16 hours a day for a week. Did my first piece. Like the first piece I ever did in procreate is the final piece that I ended up doing for Apple. Like I did not even have time to do sample projects. I didn't have time to learn brushes. I was doing everything live. Like, and I was, you know, everything was being recorded as well. It was a time lapse that was part of the project. So 100% of this illustration was the highest pressure possible. But after that, I felt pretty comfortable in procreate. I felt like I had learned from the beginning of the week until the end of the week, like through complete fear, <laughs> how to work this program. And, um, and I haven't really turned back. That um, speaks well for procreate too, right? Mm-hmm. Super intuitive. Yeah. 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 Was it in the, with the commercial? Did it, did they use it? It was in the, uh, the keynote and it was also oh, wow. the, the still photos were on the Apple website on the Apple oh, pencil awesome. page for a while. They were on the iPad, like the iPad landing page. Um, it was really cool. It was so cool. That must have been amazing. Well, it must have been amazing too because you hadn't used an iPad before. No, I hadn't. No, I also, I also, uh, I don't really hold a pen very well. I mean, I, I have like a, a terrible pen grip. It's very unsightly, but you know that's where the magic comes from. So I can't really fight it. But of course, my gnarly pen grip is in all these photos for Apple because I was. It was such a pressure situation. I didn't even think, Maggie, hold your hand like a normal person. You're having your photo right. taken. Right. <laughs> like, basically, like stabbing at the screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I got a yeah. deadline and I gotta I gotta finish this. Yeah. Well, so and they and they. I mean, obviously, they were fans of your work and and. I wonder if did they assume that you were already using an iPad or I I, th- I don't think they they were I mean um, and I certainly did not imply that <laughs> that I had used an iPad before um, but the team that I worked with was you know wildly supportive and made me feel comfortable and made me feel like I was doing a good job and uh, I mean the whole project went so well and I do honestly think it was the catalyst for the the rest of my work because not only did I have this um, kind of mind-blowing new tool i also had obviously a huge dose of confidence because like what a project yeah. oh gosh like, yeah, talk exactly. about validation <laughs> right if you were like hey i, I want to think about moving to ipad someday like how about apple calls and <laughs> <laughs> right. put through, basically put you through trial by fire to, to get yeah it yeah um, and i hadn't you know i hadn't really had much luck working on like wacom tablets or anything like that i've always been a really tactile person um, any disconnect between like, hand-eye coordination doesn't really work for me. So having really the same process um, at my fingertips is vital for me. And over the years, my process has become became it's super streamlined comparatively. And um, my clients love it because they always get transparent background, super clean files. I mean, it's just... It's so far, it's just proven to be um, like a really successful way to deliver illustrations. 
have you completely gone over to to digital or do you still like to create it looks like micron pen is is your acts of choice yeah yeah i was um i was using rapidograph for a long time but i have a tendency to kind of not clean them so (laughs) i would buy these like really expensive pens and then like just destroy the nib like you know (laughs) go three weeks without drawing and you know there goes 35 bucks so um i have probably like a thousand microns at all times (laughs) Um, it's a little ridiculous but uh no it's kind of hard to answer because i have i think i have switched over to digital but that's really hard for me to say and it's not a product of not wanting to be able to draw by hand but more so um I have been in this very good privileged pocket of having no shortage of work and it is so much more conducive for me to be able to create that work digitally. It's just, um, it hasn't allowed me much time for personal projects. I love doing personal projects with ink. I think that that's where I get a lot of my best ideas and am able to come up with forms that I may use on future projects. Um, I I definitely go through phases. So maybe I'll use like a very similar, uh, small background pattern in like 10 different pieces. Like if I look through my own portfolio, I can tell which pieces were made during which probably year long period, because they all have these similar background elements. And most of those elements I figured out while I was drawing by hand, um, without the privilege of like an undo feature, it kind of pushes you to, create something out of maybe a mistake. And then I end up adapting those later to digital illustrations. So for me, it's a really great way of exploring creatively. Um, Having some limitations, I think can push you outside of your comfort zone and then enable new magical little things to happen where digitally, of course, you can fix every error. And (laughs) uh, it's obviously great, like for client work, but um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I guess in tandem would be the ideal way to work. And I'm hoping to get back to that soon when I find a minute. Hey, I wanted to take a quick time out to tell you about Hang Time. This is Dribble's full day inspiration fest for designers. We're going to be putting on our next Hang Time event in New York City on June 6th, 2019. It'll be at the Hammerstein Ballroom at the Manhattan Center in downtown New York City. Uh, you know, you can save 200 bucks on a ticket if you buy now uh, through April 15th. So definitely grab a ticket while they're there, an early bird ticket. Uh, we've got some confirmed speakers like Amy and Jennifer Hood, Kat Noon, John Contino, Matt D. Smith, a.k.a. MDS, Alice Lee, and more coming soon. Uh, you're going to want to grab your ticket. Go to dribble.com slash hangtime. It's a wonderful event. You'll have a blast. That's dribble.com slash hangtime. So you mentioned uh, you're you're working from the road. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, my husband and I, last June, we decided to spend some time traveling. And we have um, literally been <laughs> on the road since. So I... I work from, I work from wherever I am. Um, spent the last couple of weeks I was in Colorado. That was really nice. Um, being up in the snow, I'm in Southern California right now. 
going to the Southwest for the next couple of weeks. Cause I really need some sun. Um, yeah, it's been great. And it definitely keeps things interesting, especially because I'm the kind of person who has the tendency to really like cocoon and not see daylight and like work, 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 work. So it's nice to be able to be in these cool spots where I want to explore around and gain new inspiration and, um, not see the same old thing every day. That's the dream. Um, yeah. and, and do you think that analog versus digital helps or hinders that? Like, is it easier to be on the road and with an iPad as opposed to paper? Or... I mean, I don't drive. Uh, I'm really afraid of it. <laughs> so my husband drives and I draw the entire time. So that's wow. good and oh, bad cool. because I get so many good work hours in, but I'm also like not looking up as much. So we're like driving through these beautiful canyons and he's like, reminder to lift your head up and look at the world around you. And then I look up and I'm like, wow, beautiful. And then I kind of uh, dig right back in. So it's good and bad because it's almost like if I'm sitting there enjoying a view, I think, well, God, these are billable hours. (laughs) Better, uh, better get to work. So where did your love for plants and animals come from? And, and then how did that eventually inform your, your style? There's a thread that runs through my body of work, which is, um, I would say probably half motivated by personal interest and half motivated by market research. So I am a commercial artist. I mean, that's what I do. And when I get good response from clients, like we love your animal projects, but you know, maybe I don't have many of those. I think to myself, well, what audience am I missing by not having more of these in my portfolio? And a lot of times people will come to me and say something like, well, I don't know if you do this, but we need some bird illustrations. And I'm like, yeah, I can literally draw anything. I hope that I can get this project because that could open me up to, you know, the, the thriving ornithology market. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Sorry. I cannot take myself seriously. No, Um, I love it. Thriving ornithology. Birders spend money. People got a bird. Um, There's the industry around all this stuff. Yeah. 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 In early college, I was doing a lot of, of animal illustrations. Mostly they were built out of abstract forms. And then as time has gone by, they've become a little more realistic. I've had a lot of projects in the last probably calendar year that have required animal drawings. And the the first couple projects, I was like, shit, I don't even know if I can draw fur. Like I've never drawn fur. Like this is going to be a challenge. (laughs) You know, it's, it's always something different. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I worked on, um, a, a amazing couple projects for this company, Beekman 1802. They do like, I guess I can only say everything like they're most known for their goat soap products, but it really is this like lifestyle brand. So it's, um, merchandise and like food and beverage, lots, lots of body products that are all natural, really cool brand. But (laughs) the first project that they hired me for, they were like, Oh, you know, we need black and white flowers. Check really dense check, like all these illustrated elements that I was super comfortable with. And at the end of the phone call, they said, and it'll need to incorporate baby goats. And (laughs) I was very excited about that, but I was also like, I I have no idea how I'm going to make that work. Like how does one scale a baby goat with a flower? Like how do those work together? (laughs) And I, in the last year I've had to draw probably like 50 goats. Um, (laughs) So, you know, and it's been a challenge, but it has 
basically enabled me to try out several different methods of drawing something that you wouldn't normally think would be a challenge. Like, oh, fur, silky fur, furry fur, fuzzy little baby goats, like just weird <laughs> shit that I never <laughs> that I never knew would be part of my part of my portfolio, but now I can really confidently have that as part of my portfolio because I went through the baby goat boot camp. How do you research like I gotta draw a goat now? Oh my God. I can answer this so easily. Okay, good. I watched YouTube videos of baby goats hopping around for like a day. And it was one of those days where I was like, how did this become my life? Like literally (laughs) watching videos, pausing, like staring at the goats, drawing sketches of their little legs hopping. And then, you know, husband gets home from work and I was like, you wouldn't believe it. Goats hop with their legs straight. It's adorable. And he's like, you need to go outside probably. (laughs) (laughs) It's, um, that, so yes. So I do many styles of research for animals. A lot of it's video because I find it way more interesting to have dynamic movement. So something that's running. That's really uh, interesting. yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of hard to find it's, it's hard to find the, the animal that is in your brain. So a lot of the times it's like a combination of multiple sources. So maybe I'll, I'll, I mean, I, I kind of take some liberties on animal faces and I make them a little bit probably cuter than they are in real life. Um, I'm like, Oh, you know, the eye's good there, but I think it would look way cuter if it was slightly larger and to the left. So I, but you know, I, I'll, I'll watch videos, figure out movement. Um, obviously lots of reference photography. I, take pictures myself. I don't do many animal photos, but, um, you know, when it comes to flowers and stuff like that, I do a lot of research for that California drawing. Like those are plants that it growing up in California, like those are plants that I knew fairly well already. Um, so it is kind of an amalgamation of lots of different resources. Yeah. Yeah. Even so you said earlier, like you you like to be inside and and well, I not as much anymore. Like, I'm getting way better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was wondering if like, you know, in the field research is part of part of the process too. It definitely is. And like also what kind of credit would I have as a nature themed illustrator if I was doing all the research from the comfort of my couch? Like that's, <laughs> no. that's not cool. That's not fun. That's not exciting. <laughs> I don't even have a couch now. So <laughs> <laughs> from the, from the passenger seat. Yeah. From the passenger seat. <laughs> Uh, so another another topic I wanted to ask you because you have this really amazing um, specific style, right? It's unique. It's super unique to you. Do you, have you run into issues with with people taking your work or taking your style or work or whatever and, and reappropriating it? Or yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like yeah. probably probably on the daily. Um, oh jeez. Yeah, it used to hit me really hard, especially as I was starting out. Um, one of the one of the freakiest things is realizing that someone has kind of taken your life's work and is presenting it as their own, but without the background to know like where that style came from. That's hard, and yeah, and I kept. <laughs> Like right when I had quit my full-time job and I was starting to do this, I mean, it was like, it's my lifeblood. Like this is, this is my life. And when I saw instances of that, it would just crush me. 
And I would just think to myself, like, not yet. Like, give me a few more years to, <laughs> right, to right. find my voice because I'm just so new. Like, I'm not ready for this. And I'm not ready to be compared to this because who you, you, like no one knows who I am yet. I, I, I don't, I don't have the ability to fight against this. Um, and, and these days it's, it's hard still. Um, but I guess I have to take solace in the fact that I'm going to keep growing. My work's going to continue to evolve. It's only going to get more badass over time. And the work that I was doing two, three, four, five years ago, which is most of the work at this point that kind of gets appropriated, um, that work is probably not going to be work I'm creating in the future. Like that was a time in my life. Like I've mentioned a few times, I definitely go in phases. Like I do have that fine artist background. I can only do something for so long. And, uh, you know, I guess that style is out there. It's part of the, it's, it's part of the world. So I can't really stop it from happening, but what I can do on my own is to evolve and kind of continue growing my brand and making a name for myself so that maybe someone doesn't know where the style came from, but they know who's, who's doing it best, mm. which I hope can be me. I hope, I hope well, I'm always the oh, best yeah. person to do my style. <laughs> oh gosh. I, I can't even remember. Uh, like, well, that was well said. I think that's a really healthy attitude towards it. And that, I, it's interesting that you you mentioned that it was harder when you were first starting out, and and that made I hadn't heard that before. That makes a lot of sense, though, to me. In that, if you're well established and have a, a large following, then it's it's probably a little easier to be like, well, that's you know, that's fine. A majority of the people are I know who I am and what I do and where it comes from, and and but when you're first starting out, that's it's a little different. Yeah. And, you know, it's also, it's like, I, I know a lot of styles that have grown out of people who were inspired by my own. Like I've seen a lot of people really do it right. Like people that started drawing, started illustrating, saw my work as inspiration and then grew their own style out of that. Like that is flattering. And I cannot pretend it's not flattering. Like that's awesome. Like I am totally a proponent of that. I mean, we all like, I totally, I looked at like Edward, Edward Munch, um, Aubrey Beardsley. These are like, you know, they're like long dead. Um, I'm still alive. So can't really hurt my, or it hurts my feelings a little more probably, but like, that's, that's what I was looking at when I was 16. That that's what I was finding inspiration from, from like hidden details and Klimt paintings. Like that's, that's where I got my look. And of course, like you wouldn't look at my work next to a Clint painting and be like, Oh, 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 I see where <laughs> she got it from. Like, of course not. Right. My style has evolved over the years. It's, it's filled with changes. You can see the patterns of my life shifting. I mean, it's, it's what I do, but, um, you know, as, as artists start out, I do think it's valuable to be looking at, at the people around you and what they're doing. I think there just is this problem probably with online sharing, um, not knowing what pieces are okay to share as your own and which pieces you should be listing your references on. And I think, uh, you know, I, I can imagine it like you're, you're in your teens, you've just drawn something totally awesome. That is like you, your mind is blown. Your parents are like, wow, you're so talented. Like you just drew this amazing piece. Like you want to share it with the world, but like that piece wasn't yours, but like, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so right. I think it right. is about 
understanding, um, learning early on in your career, or, you know, if you're a hobbyist learning on in early on in your hobby, like what is the okay and respectful way to learn from the people around you? Yeah, totally. Um, absolutely. Yeah. It comes down like, don't be a jerk. And <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we all need an education in it. Like two of my mom's favorite pieces that I did in college, like early college, she's like, I just love those paintings you did of those two ladies. And I was like, I think I stole those from Picasso. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, she's like, always like, why don't you have those up? Can I have those paintings? I'm like, no, they can never see the light of day. Like I totally just took them from a Picasso painting, like changed the color and called it mine. Like I like, I did that too. Um, but I obviously don't share it. Like that's, it's uh, like, to me, it's like awful now. Like I'm, I want to burn them. Um, but it's also humbling. It was part of your learning and then yeah. you're not, you're not selling it or you're not passing it off as your own too. Right. So no, like, I'm like literally hiding, yeah. <laughs> hiding it you're from hiding the it. world. I think that's the big difference. I think that there's, there are people that can do that and learn, uh, you know, as they're learning or whatever. But if, if, if they're, you know, malicious in that they're claiming it's theirs or, you know, not giving credit where credit's due. And that's, that's the problem, I think. Yeah. You know, I feel fortunate that the the art community is, it seems so giant, but it really is a small one. And I do have to hold out hope that, um, the people that I care about most and the people that I care about hiring me, like those people recognize authenticity and that when it comes down to it, like that's what matters. Yeah. Great point. I mean, working with clients, the clients that you work with, these are big companies. These are important things that you're doing. And, um, and that comes down to people, people mm-hmm. skills, right? And you, you can't, you know, someone might be able to draw a frog like you, but they're not going to be able to, there's so much more that goes into that, right? Than just yeah. being able to draw something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that comes with time and that comes with failure and that comes with learning. You know, it's, um, it's kind of like, uh, being a chef versus warming up something, no offense to meal delivery kits. If that's who sponsors your podcast. Um, <laughs> but is, you know what I'm yeah, saying? It's way, like, it's just, okay. Remember when I said this is sponsored by hello fresh earlier. No. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. We've never been sponsored by a meal kit. Uh, yeah. Now you won't ever No, And that's fine. Cause we, we don't want to be your hand must kill <laughs> right like yeah. I, like i i i'm a lefty and maybe that's what i believe Ooh, in oh. on. like uh, but like i if i have to hand write things and i just mean like christmas card uh address. Uh, actually you, no, i don't send christmas that's cards. that's a totally Ooh, different pain yeah okay that's well that's what i was wondering because you know that pain like in between your thumb and your but like yeah. you're doing so much like, like there's just so much line work. It's got to hurt at the end of the day. You know, I, it it does, but not so badly. And it pales in comparison to writing thank you notes. Like the pain is a different, it's a different, it is a totally different pain that I cannot describe other than like two thank you notes in and I'm dead. Like I'm like rubbing my wrist. <laughs> okay, like, that makes like, me feel better. <laughs> maybe I just won't send these cards. Um, no, the only way I can describe it is the, I, I make really micro movements. So um, I don't work, like if I think of like a, mur- a muralist, right, who 
paint paints a stroke that goes from like far left to far right of your body. Um, I'm not that physical in the way that I work. So I do work so zoomed in, whether it's, um, manual or digitally, I work in a really small micro space. So all I'm doing is like the tiniest little swish and flick. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really not as physical where when I'm writing you, you're writing thank you cards. There's like downward pressure. You got to get those G's G's and H's. And I I mean, it's just so much more work. Um, and then I use tiny, tiny, tiny pens when I draw by hand, which if you apply a reasonable amount of pressure to them, like there goes the nib. Like you're lost. Oh, I see. So, right. so that's it's all be really light. light touch. Mm-hmm. But my um my brother in law had hand surgery, and he his physical therapist gave him this like hand muscle man <laughs> like like it like helps your muscles in your hand, and he uh, gifted it to me the other day. So I've been using that. Um, really, yeah, I'll be great at rock climbing and drawing. <laughs> I was gonna say, you could, yeah, you could probably you know, climb El Capitan with your, with your one hand. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sounded bizarre, but I, like that was, uh, I, what I thought was kind of a dumb question, but actually, um, that was really insightful to be honest. Like the way mm-hmm. when you pull the quote out for this episode, it should, <laughs> it should probably be how to avoid hand pain with micro movements. <laughs> Or something like, thank you cards. More like, no thank you cards. (laughs) I've never clapped uh, on the podcast before. This is the first. Uh, That's hilarious. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much for being on here. Mm, Heard that one last clap. You're so welcome. Thank you. has been overtime dribbles official podcast uh thanks for listening if you like the show please rate and or review us on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts uh, i'd like to thank maggie Rios again for being here i'd like to thank dot me for sponsoring this week's episode be sure to go to dribble.com slash hang time to grab an early bird ticket for our new york city event in june and um we'll see you on the next episode mm-hmm.